everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of The Games We Love, a weekly video game podcast where friends get together for mostly positive and always fun discussions about games, industry news, and more. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron White. Oh, wait a minute, hold on. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin. And this week, I'm joined by my friend, Brad. Hey, Brad. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. It's it's a little different today. Uh, Sadly, as I'm sure many listeners already know, Aaron came down with a case of shingles. Oh, no. Ouch. Sounds very painful. I I didn't know a lot about it, and it sounded like Aaron didn't either until he went to the doctor and was kind of educated on it. And it's something to do with dormant chicken pox that lives in your body, and it there's no rhyme or reason. It just activates itself. Uh, you know, Ugh. usually when you're you know when you get older, as an adult, like kids don't get shingles, they get chicken pox, and then that gets better. And then all of a sudden, one day you're playing some games, playing some TMNT, and then the next thing you know, you're <laughs> you're in pain, and oh, it sounds awful. So we're definitely wishing Aaron a speedy recovery, and hopefully he'll be feeling better next week so he can join us. But uh, hey, you know what? We don't want the listeners to go without a show, so here we are, and glad you could be here, buddy. Um, I actually wasn't here last week, so oddly enough, it's kind of a, a flip-flop, and I don't really know that much of what's been going on lately, so how, how have you been? What have you been up to? Oh, it's same old, same old for me. I haven't been uh, playing a whole lot of new stuff. I'm going to talk a little bit about Returnal, just a short update again today, because I'm so close to 100%, but... Uh, as far as games, nothing, uh, nothing too new or that I've been invested in, and we'll talk about TMNT surely, which you and I both played earlier this week. So now, before we get into the gaming news, there's a big, big news item in your personal life, Brad. Bradbury Sprinkles, the film <laughs> critic, has returned. Oh my goodness! The, tri- the triumphant <laughs> return. So why don't you tell the folks a little bit about your your return to the big screen as a critic? Oh. You didn't have to do this, sir. I, uh, yeah, I, I haven't reviewed a movie in uh, a couple of years. I've just kind of fallen out of it. I wasn't feeling enlightened, I guess, or inspired. You weren't feeling film, so to speak. Oh, nice plug. I hope I know Aaron will appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I just for whatever reason it started like catching up to me. It was fun going to two or three movies a week for a while, writing for uh, review STL, and then. After a while, it just I started procrastinating and procrastinating, and then it just became so overbearing that I was just need to take a break from it. Maybe something I'll see one day will inspire me to write again. But yeah, I, I saw the black phone this week, and uh, I'm excited to to talk about. It. I don't know if this is the platform to do it right now since we're going to focus on video games, but I, I had a good time with it. Had some problems, but. It was nice to kind of, you know, get back in that mindset of, of, of writing again. And of course, as always, I'm not uh, in love with what I wrote, but hopefully if I start spending more time doing it, that uh, I'll feel better about it in the future. I think you're too hard on yourself because I always <laughs> really enjoyed the reviews that you've written. I think you do a great job and I I hope that you keep up with it and get back into it some more. And um, that review is going to be up when this episode is posted, that review will be up on reviewstl.com. So if there are horror buffs out there and you don't feel like you're betraying Aaron too much, uh, <laughs> to to find a review on a different site uh, that's affiliated with uh, Brad and myself, go to reviewstl.com and check that out. But uh, before we get into the video games this week, we've got a listener question. So I say let's jump into that. 
Our question this week comes from at RetroLogic on Twitter, and they ask, what's the okayest game that you can think of that everyone else was like screaming overwhelmingly positive about, and you were just lukewarm on it? Uh, I'm going to let you go first, Brad. I was hoping that you would go first because one of my answers, maybe two of them, is probably going to get me canceled. Um, well, but I, I think mine will too. So <laughs> yeah. that's interesting. Okay. <laughs> I guess the question set you up for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll start with the safe one. Um, and it might just be because it's not my genre, uh, so to speak. We've already tried it this, uh, the, this year already with Trek to Yomi. But as much as I loved the art style and how everything plays it like a smooth, smooth game, Sucker Punch's Ghost of Tsushima, I, uh, I, I put maybe six hours in, six to eight hours, and I just fell off flat. And part of me has been wanting to go back and check it out and seeing if maybe I just wasn't in the mood because I'm very much a, a moody gamer when it comes to what I'm playing. But Ooh, I haven't like pulled that trigger That's like a new Twitch channel, The Moody Gamer. Like <laughs> yeah, and I uh, everybody was talking that game up so well, and, and deservedly so. It looks absolutely beautiful for its time, you know, coming out on late PS4 and now the director's cut on PS5. But yeah, it was one of those things that everybody said, you have to play it, you have to play it. One of my good friends from my trivia team, he uh, he beat it and then started it right back over. He loved it so much, and I was just like... This is this is not for me. I don't think. Maybe one day, but the, my first pick is Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, this is going to be one that I I think maybe even more controversial because I think you are going to find maybe not take issue with it, but I I don't know if you're going to be surprised or taken aback. You might remember this from our previous conversations, but to me, it was Red Dead Redemption Two. I could not get into this game. It looked amazing. I thought that it was uh, the gameplay mechanics were very intricate. There was a lot that you could do. I, I think it played very well, but story wise, it was so slow to get into. And people love this game and talk about how amazing it is and all these 10 out of 10 reviews and everything. But I don't know, something about it. I, I didn't get very far in it. I just, I bought it day one, $60 and put it down and I've never played it again. So what are your thoughts on that one? That was my next one, actually, because that oh. has so much praise behind it. Uh, everybody talks about Red Dead Redemption because, again, that is a beautiful game, a, you know, just a, yeah. a Western, a pure Western that is uh, very interesting. I think Roger Clark does a great job with Arthur. Wow. Arthur Morgan, I can't speak tonight, apparently, made him a very likable outlaw. The game itself, like as you said, is very intricate. There's so many things that you can do. Like just as far as as trivial as brushing your horse, you know, gives you perks and everything. And it's not something I ever want to jump off of my horse and do. You know, it's one of those ones where I started it like you did day one. Got it. I loved Red Dead Redemption, and after a few hours, I put it down and never touched it again until 2020. Picked it up and pushed through the first three chapters or so and finally once I hit San Denis I was deepened enough into the game where it was you know playable where I was wanting to go back and play it but it's something I'll never probably play again and unfortunately because it's it's a very beautiful game but it's yeah <laughs> it, I, I had to it was a chore to actually get to a point where I was enjoying it Interesting. Yeah, I, it really makes me wonder if I should go back and try it again because I, I'm a fan of 
the Rockstar games. I, I, I like the way they play and uh, more so story. I'm not a huge online gamer, as I've mentioned before, but I, I like the Western setting. I, again, beautiful, just absolutely gorgeous landscapes in the game. But yeah, it was, it was tough getting through that story, but I'd like to at least give it a chance to, it's kind of like some TV shows, right? Some TV shows have a rough start and you got to get through the first few episodes. And if you do, you're rewarded for it a lot of times, obviously not always the case, but there are some of the great shows that start off kind of slow and then they find their groove or they get past whatever they need to introduce. And then you get to know the characters and all that. So hopefully that will be it for me next time. And and, and we'll see whenever I get a chance to, play that i don't know when it will be and do they have any has there been any like rumblings of a uh i don't a remastered a ps5 version anything like that who knows they're probably working on on another version of grand theft auto 5 (laughs) 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 it's there's definitely an audience there for for more red dead um but i don't know when and where that'll ever come out okay fair enough but i do have one more yeah and i think it's going to be juicy and it's going to make a lot of people (laughs) cringe here i can't wait breath of the wild oh my okay (laughs) okay do go on i know a lot of people call that the greatest game they've ever played um wait there's a red there's like a little red light on your forehead just what is that? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Aaron's probably already in. <laughs> I, I don't even know if Aaron's played Breath of the Wild, but it's, it's going to be a discussion somehow. on the Discord for sure. <laughs> I am sitting right in front of a window. But no, it's I, I respect Zelda. I've, I grew up on Zelda, but I think I've fallen out of the franchise a long time ago. But I got, I got a Nintendo Switch after I got second place in, in a poker tournament that I host every year. And everybody's saying, you got to get Breath of the Wild. You got to get Breath of the Wild. And I played through it. I played through two of the Guardians or, or Divine Beasts, I think they're what they're called in that. And at that point, I just fell off. The weapons breaking all the time and, you know, just the open world of do whatever you want, you know, go wherever you want to go. I, I just, I lost interest really quickly and never had the, every once in a while, I'm curious if I should go back, but I know in my mind that I'll probably never finish that game. And it's, and it's sad because I know how much praise it gets and from the community, how everybody loves it. But I just have no interest in playing it, <laughs> so I I don't know what it is wow. honestly. But yeah, okay, that's fair the enough. One I, was I mean, that's worried about sharing, but I wanted to be open. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's 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 fine. And yeah, that I really loved that game when I got Breath of the Wild at, uh, when it launched. I played through it. I I didn't play anything else. I got to the very end to whoever it is, Ganondorf or who, I, don't, I can't even remember like what variant, like who, who it actually is. Cause I mean, I guess it's kind of always Gan, Ganon or Ganondorf of some sort. But one thing that irritated me about the game, I was so into it. I played so many dozens of hours into the game. And then at that point, and I believe it's changed since then. And especially since there's DLC, but when you beat Ganon, the, it, it ends, the credits roll and you can't resume all you can do is load the save point before you beat him. And I hate that kind of a boss in an open world game where you can't keep doing stuff. And so that frustrated me so much because at the time there was no DLC. There was no other way to do it. And I had done everything that I pretty much wanted to do in the game before beating the boss. So I was like, well, this is dumb. I can't beat him and then go do more exploring or whatever. So I don't know. Something about that put a bad taste in my mouth after sinking so much time into it. So I've never actually returned to the game since they did anything else. Me either. 
But <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I would I I liked the game a lot. I would kind of like to to play more of it, and I am curious about the DLCs, but I don't know. We'll see if that ever happens. My other one is this is maybe very unpopular because I know we do have some Xbox listeners, which I kind of think defaults. It kind of defaults, you know, if you're an Xbox gamer, you probably like this game, or at least a lot of people do. But I'm going to go with Gears of War. I think they're all kind of the same game. I, I, I enjoy them whenever I play a new one, and especially when one comes out for the next generation of console, like when it came out for Xbox One after the 360 versions, and uh, and then the newest one on the, I guess it's Series X and S Enhanced or whatever. But I'm like, okay, the graphics look really great. Okay, this this looks good. The voice acting is always good in it and everything. Like there's nothing pro like wrong with the way it looks or or plays mechanics wise, but I play it for like an hour or two and then I'm like I'm doing the same thing over and over. Like every mission to me feels the same. You're just shooting and doing the chainsaw gun thing and all that. And I don't know. I just, I I cannot get into them. And I honestly can't even tell you if I've ever beaten one of them. I think I've played them all and I don't think I've beaten any of them because every time I do, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what Gears of War is. Do you have any experience with those games? I played a little bit of maybe the second one at one point and I just, I was not into it at all. It wasn't my type of game so i don't have much else to say about it but what you did say about how they all everything felt like you were repeating doing the same thing over and over again was how i felt about the first destiny when that dropped every mission was go here deploy your robot fight waves of enemies rinse and repeat over and over again that's you know i fell off of that really quickly too but i've heard that destiny's gotten so much better so maybe one day i'll check that out again but yeah gears was one that was from the start it didn't feel like my kind of game and i didn't probably give it more than a couple hours well we'll see i'm curious to see what the listeners have to say and i don't know we may not have listeners after our hot takes this might have been (laughs) an awful question to ask (laughs) we might not there may be no one we're maybe just talking to no one at this point brad everyone has turned off the show and i guess we can just talk about whatever we want well we do that anyway uh well let's get into the games that we have been playing and theoretically have been enjoying because we keep playing them brad why don't you give us a little touch base on your returnal gameplay have you beaten that yet or what, what's going on i have beaten it twice i've got the the main credit roll um just from beating the six levels and then after you beat the the last boss the first time once you return to your house it, it doesn't explain it so well but you kind of get this idea that there's more to the game and if you know the trophy list you know there is an act three so you have to go through all six biomes again. And it was pretty easy to do because um, within the biomes is a certain fragment of, of this like medallion that you have to create and then go beat the last boss again to get the true ending. So I've done that. And now all I'm trying to do is go through each biome and get all the collectibles, which I have two of the six completely done. And it's just been frustrating because the ones that I don't, I think that the collectibles are just kind of RNG. Because I've been through uh, uh, the second biome several times and can't find some of the ones, the things that I'm missing. So I just keep dying and trying again, and it's getting kind of repetitive. So I don't know if the 100% returnal is going to happen quickly because I'm kind of getting burnt out on it now that I've completed the story and I'm just on collectibles runs now. So that is where I'm at with that. I might just pick it up here and there, especially since it's on PS Plus now. I can just give Jason his copy back and, you know, download it and play it when I feel like it. But 
that's where I'm at with Returnal. I'm so happy with it. There were some revelations that I had that I can't really talk about without spoiling it, as I really want you and Aaron and the listeners to enjoy that game for everything it has to offer. And when sure. you do, I can't wait to talk about some things that happened, and I'm just so good. It's I've been telling people it's by far the best, in my opinion, the best PS5 exclusive, and it's not even close. Like, from the little, you know, the few... Ratchet, what do we have? Ratchet and Clank and a few Ratchet others, and Clank is so good. You you don't you weren't really into that one? No, I loved Ratchet and Clank, but I love Returnal so much more. <laughs> like I didn't go okay. hard on Ratchet and Clank. Like I I have sixty six hours on Returnal, <laughs> and Ratchet and Clank was wow. probably a what twelve hour game maybe, which is still very very good. But I don't know that I'd ever play it again. But Returnal, yeah, I, I could pick up and play anytime. It's so smooth, so good, and I will. I will. I wish it was 2020 still, so I can talk about that being a game of the year contender. But it's now. <laughs> you know, it's. I'm a couple of years late to it, but it's it's really really good. It uh, might be outside, the game of Brad's year. It could be. I don't know what we're going to do with the podcast at the end of the year. I do need to play some new stuff so I can be in those conversations. But uh, so far, like my game of the year personally is it, just based on the time that I put into it is is Returnal. But yeah, outside of that, I'm hoping that I'll have 100% next week or by next week, and then I can you know spare you guys of talking about it every week from now on. <laughs> but what are uh, the collectibles? Outside, what what is, what is that in Returnal? I can't even think of what that is. There are there are scout logs throughout the game, um, which are okay. found by your old bodies of yourself. Or, I mean, they're pre-rendered and everything because the whole yeah. time loop concept of the game is Celine has been through these biomes several times before, so you'll find scout logs. Uh, amongst you know, around some random bodies of her that are laying around, you'll find some uh, glowing glyphs on on random walls. That I think each biome has ten to twenty of those. And okay, I've uh, seen I've th- seen those. Yeah, yeah, and there's something else. I don't remember. There's four things in each biome, and I have everything but the glyphs. Basically, there's a couple of scout logs I haven't got yet, but it's because I've been focusing on the second biome and not the ones where I need the scout logs in. So. Hopefully next week I'll have that at 100% and, you know, be able to take a break from it because I'm, like I mentioned on the podcast before, I'm the 100% focused on this before I move on to something else. And like, but I think at this point I need to kind of just take a step back, come back and play it casually now because I'm starting to feel the burnout. Okay. What else you got going on? Since the Resident Evil games have been ported up to PlayStation 5, I went through half of a playthrough of Resident Evil to remake to get that platinum because not all the trophies popped uh you were with me on friday night when i streamed uh, a playthrough of resident evil 7 because that yeah didn't, that was fun. Uh, yeah that didn't pop every trophy so we we made fun or we had fun going through <laughs> a <laughs> we made fun we made going some through fun. the that campaign on on easy trying to get all the trophies we did mess up the item box one so i had to do one more playthrough which i did i i remember asking you after i was done i was like do i just do this again because like i want to be done with it and you're like don't burn yourself out and i was like "Ah, screw it i started it again but i only got halfway (laughs) and finished it the next morning just to be done with it so i put like seven hours in (laughs) resident evil 7 again but, I uh, wondered how you got done with it so quickly in the morning because you had a run to go do, and I was like, hey, yep. don't do that. And I didn't think you, you started it right after. Oh I my started gosh. it right. I asked you because I was sitting there wondering, do I just start it over again? We just spent three and a half hours going through the campaign, but we, you know, now that it's fresh on my mind again, I know that I can just tear right through this and get to where I need to be and 
So I, I got all the way back to the ship before going to bed on Friday night, and then Saturday morning after my run, I finished that up. And, uh, and you got the platinum on RE7. You got the platinum on RE7 on PS5 Excellent. now, as well as I didn't. I mentioned RE3 last week, so that's that's the I did RE2 remake, RE3 remake, remake, and RE7 all within the past week just to port those up to get those trophies because unlike Xbox, PlayStation just gives you a whole new trophy list again. Uh, instead of just porting up the best version like Xbox does. And uh, other than that, not a whole lot else. I've been trying to casually play Kirby, The Forgotten Land. I borrowed that from my buddy Mike since he uh, wanted to borrow Horizon. He's like, hey, I bought Kirby if you want to trade off. I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I've been playing a level or two of that a night and find that really enjoyable, but it's not the kind of game that I can sit down and, like, I got to finish this. You know, I just casually play it a few levels at a time and, Really fun, really cute game. Never thought I'd be playing a Kirby game in my 30s, but it's actually really, really, really fun. And hopefully, once I get deeper into it, I can have more of a uh, analysis, more of kind of like a review of my experience with it. But right now, it's just kind of, I think I'm three, three or four levels in, and I only play it, you know, once or twice a week. That's a fun game. I haven't, I actually haven't beaten it just because my interest level hasn't been super there. I know it's a quick game and, and Aaron breezed through it with his kids and really enjoyed it. And I enjoy it too, but I'm kind of in the same spot as you are where I'm not wanting to sit down and do a whole Kirby playthrough. Like I like it, but I, I played it, I bought it not long. I think I bought it at launch. Actually, I may have had it before Aaron did and played a few levels with Ryan and had fun and then kind of just forgot about it you know moved on to some other things so i do want to return to it and i need to beat it with it being a short game yeah yeah it's 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 a lot of fun it's just something yeah i'm like i got a little bit of time let's let's crank out some kirby levels and it's it's really just smooth really easy to play and enjoyable so that's that's mostly it what i what i do have though what i what i played specifically for the podcast and and i only played about an hour of it but it kind of hooked me so i am going to finish it is I kind of I, I thought of you. I, I, I was going to call it Pulling a Kevin because I was just kind of scrolling Ooh. through the new PS Plus and mm-hmm. I found a game called Chicken Police. And I was like, what the <laughs> heck is this? <laughs> it's called Chicken Police Whoa. and the subtitle is Paint It Red. And I'm like, okay, let's oh. check it out. And it's this like noir detective story. It's all black and white and it's these human bodies with like animal heads. And it starts what? off with it with this with this chicken. He's driving a car, and you're seeing it from his perspective. It's in first person when you're because it's a point and click adventure game, but it's a er, uh, oh, okay. detective game. But he's driving his car, just doing this like opening narration, and he's like, you know, it's it's like nineteen, I don't even know the era, but like think like L.A. noir, but with animal humans. <laughs> it's it's okay. wild, but he, you know, it's got the dialogue that's like. I'm 121 days from retirement, and the crime is still <laughs> rampant in the city. <laughs> but that uh, sounds awesome. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's been a riot. It, it has the mechanics of you can talk to people to to get more information from them and fill out your codex, and then you have the the questioning option. And based on how you question them, based on the information you have, it's very much like L.A. Noir. Um, in regards to if you have the right information, you can question them the right way and get the information you need to move forward and so on and so forth. And the dialogue's really funny for the, you know, the kind of game that it's presenting. Like one of the lines that I actually wrote out just to mention it on the podcast is he's having a conversation outside the police station with somebody 
and he's getting grief from somebody and he goes, I'm a rooster, but I hate getting up early. <laughs> just <laughs> things like that. And yeah, and I, I, I played that for like an hour the other day. I was like, Oh, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I really want to talk about it on the podcast. So I'm, I'm hoping that it continues to, you know, be as fun as it was for that hour. And then I can uh, come back to you guys with a full dissection of the game. And <laughs> it looks like it's, it's, it's gotta be like a six hour game or something. It, I can't imagine it's, it's very long, but I'll watch so it's far, a 93 hour game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've just, you know, I played it for about an hour and I haven't had time to get back to it, but it, it seems like it's going to be one of those goofy games that you find just sitting there and, end up having fun with like you did with turnip boy you know so oh turnip boy yes now that yeah. that sounds like a kevin game i might have to check that out since i also have the ps plus and uh what was it a ps2 uh, game originally or ps4 it's it's a PS4, oh, ps4 game, game. yeah it's okay <laughs> it's very it's it's wild it's it's photo realistic of like the background it, it, it's static but the characters, like when they're talking, they're on the screen and they're kind of moving just a little bit, like their arms are moving and stuff. And the dialogue makes it makes it really funny. And I'm curious to see, you know, what what is happening in this city. I think it's called it's called uh, Clawville. Clawville. Yeah, <laughs> that's but awesome. Yeah. Well, that sounds like fun. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to check that out. So maybe I'll play a little before next week and then we can touch base on uh, what is it called? Chicken story? Chicken police story? Chicken police and the subtitle is Paint It Red. Okay, Chicken Police, yeah. Paint It Red. Now, is there a sequel, or is so far, is this the only Chicken Police? As far as I know, I haven't done any research on it whatsoever. I just saw it on the store. I was like, this might be fun to talk about on the podcast. I'm going to check it out. And I didn't feel like waiting until I was done with it, so I just went with it. <laughs> well, maybe when their downloads go to two, they will start planning a sequel. Heck yeah. Let's make that happen. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, awesome. We've got a game that we both played that I think maybe we could get into a little bit together, and then I'll go into what I've been playing. But why don't you help me out with this review of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game? This is such a throwback to the old games that I used to play with in the arcade, on the Super Nintendo. It's a beat-em-up game in the vein of the old Turtles arcade games, but it is updated with... It's kind of like with my Final Fantasy Pixel remasters. They're pixel games, but super high quality sharp graphics you know it's that it blurs the line between yeah it's a pixel game but it's still really high high end in the way the effects move and everything um it's really uh it has the feel of the old stuff but it's updated enough to where i think even kids like ryan like my son was playing with us and was really into it and he's not huge on retro games and and the old he didn't grow up obviously he didn't grow up but he hasn't really gotten into playing beat-em-ups with me like the old ones so um but yeah it, it i thought that it really nailed the tone of what those old turtle games were and even what i thought was surprising about it i don't remember the old turtles games being that funny And there is a lot of humor built in. Like every single level, you will see the foot doing different things. Like if they're, (laughs) they're like in a news studio. Playing on their computer. 
Yeah, and they're they're like at desks and they have ties on and they're typing at a computer. And then when they see the turtles or, you know, in April and whoever Splinter walk by, they will rip off their ties, like their clip-on ties, throw them to the side, and then jump out and attack you. And it's things like that throughout the game. I think there's one level where there a guy's working on a car or doing something with a car and then he gets out from under the car and, and goes and attacks you. Like there are all these little funny humor things built in which I really appreciated because I don't know, to me, beat em ups as fun as they can be. Also, they can get kind of repetitive, especially when the enemies start looking the same and you've only got a certain amount of attacks. And so little touches like that are things that keep me engaged. How, what, what was your impression of the game? I thought it was really cool going back to that retro style beat em up. I haven't, I don't, I don't typically gravitate toward those games. And so realistically the only reason i played it i i I had no interest in playing it whatsoever it looked cool on the announcements on the summer games fest and all that but when you guys asked me to play it i'm like yeah sure it's on game pass i can easily pick that up and play it with you and that's how it's probably going to be unless you guys ask me to play it it's probably just going to sit there idle it's not my type of game but i did thoroughly enjoy playing it with you guys it it was a madhouse trying to keep track (laughs) of my turtle i was playing Raphael, and there was just people jumping in every direction and you know at times i had no idea am i doing well i don't know what i'm doing in this madness here and i i'm very much a button masher at heart you know and i, I understand there's abilities and all this stuff as well but i had fun but i don't have any desire to just go back and play it myself i know there's a story mode and arcade mode but unless it's with you guys it's you know it's just gonna sit there Understandable. So we're about halfway through. Uh, we only played for, what do you think? We played for like an hour and a half. I don't even think we played for two hours. Yeah, that's about right. And and we're halfway through the chapters. So I, I think there are 12 chapters, if I'm remembering correctly. Now, it's been about a week since we played, but I think there were 12 chapters and we made it through six in, let's say, an hour and a half. So I'm guessing it's like a three-hour game. And uh, if you beat all the levels, right? Like we never failed a level and had to redo it. So presuming you have enough people playing and you're good enough to not die uh, you could probably make it through this game in let's say three to four hours and something that's really special about this game now i don't know if all the listeners are familiar with this new it's called teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge and what is really special about it is that it's six player co-op it has six player online co-op so usually these beat em up games traditionally they started off with two player co-op and then of course as things progress there may be some games with four player co-op but six player i've never played a beat em up game with six play i i take i mean maybe like x-men arcade but as far as console games and online play i i thought that was pretty unique have you ever played with six people on a beat em up before no, not at all. I, I don't play a lot of beat 'em ups. It was it was definitely eye opening. <laughs> you know, I was bewil- <laughs> I was bewildered by just the chaos that was happening on screen. And but you know, we made it fun. We were all on uh, Discord, or just the Xbox chat, and talking and you know laughing and having a good time. It was very much a a positive experience. But it was very hard, like I said earlier, to keep up with all the chaos. 
it was it was really fun. So we had five of the six. So Brad and I haven't even seen what a full six player co op looks like. Five was crazy as it stands. I'm really curious to get that sixth player in there. We'll have to all team up and and try to finish the story mode. And uh, I know that we have some people in the uh, Discord. I think Indy Andy Jones was one of them that wanted to play with us, but had some other things going on and was watching the sports ball and such. But we got to get someone in there for that sixth <laughs> spot and uh, finish it up. But yeah, it's. It's really cool. You've got your four turtles are characters. I was Leonardo, the best turtle, of course. You were Raphael. False. <laughs> the best turtle. Jarpo was, was he Donatello? Probably Donatello, probably. And yeah. then Ryan was Michelangelo. And then Jarpo's daughter was Splinter. Splinter. And so we didn't have anyone play April yet. And Casey Jones was not a playable character at the moment. And we know that Casey Jones was announced at the Summer Games Fest thing. So he must be an unlockable after you maybe beat the story mode or something. I'd- yeah, I'm not certain. But question was going to be, because I do remember Casey Jones being announced, is will it always be six or would that allow it to be seven? I don't know if it's programmed that way or if somebody would just have to be left out. Yeah, I don't think that it's supposed to be seven. I didn't hear that. And also just going on the way the game is formatted, the character select screen has the six slots. Like you'd have it in an oh, arcade yeah. when yeah. like press start to join and there were six spots spread out. That's not saying they couldn't add it. I mean, if they wanted to and it was programmed that way, they could maneuver things around. But it looks like it's planned for six right now. And I'm guessing that's just going to be a seventh character. And my thought would be that i mean as easy as it is if they just can add another character there why not start kind of like smash you know why not over time just to keep interest in the game i wonder if they will allow you to play different characters maybe they'll even let you play some of the villains i i I don't know i haven't heard a lot about what's planned but it to me seems like an opportunity where they could keep adding characters and maybe for people especially like us that aren't necessarily invested like we're gonna play this a ton over and over might be kind of fun to be like oh well i can be who are, I can be the metal Ninja Turtle. Remember, did you watch the cartoon when you were a kid? And when I was a kid, I can't yeah. remember the names of of half those people. We were uncovering all these secrets, like the, the the frog people. Like we'd find them in trash cans and stuff. But I I know the character models, but I don't remember their names. Of okay, hold of on. People. Yeah, those frog people were annoying the crap out of me. These frogs. <laughs> stand around and they have like maces like ball and chains and they look all tough and they're swinging their weapon around and you're sitting there fighting the foot and they're just there in the background like <laughs> like one of those like when you're playing street fighter and there's people in the background going yeah 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 in the background the the frog guys are just sitting there with their weapons watching you like i'm, I'm like join in <laughs> like, if you're gonna have you guys a weapon. got it covered yeah <laughs> we don't yeah. need this so I was getting pissed at those frog guys, but anyway, so yeah, maybe one of those one of those knockoff battle toads needs to join the action. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to playing it with my friends again. I I'm with you. I wouldn't solo play it. I think that uh, if I'm gonna play that type of beat 'em up game, that's always where I at least want a second person to go through. I our mutual friend Chris and I used to play those games a lot, and I will play them from time to time with Ryan, especially like we have the. We have the little Streets of Rage, uh, the arcade one up. We have the little arcade cabinet, and so we can play that. And then I've got the 
the Simpsons arcade machine behind me here uh, that I bought from Arcade One Up. I just so that it's known, my favorite arcade game of all time is the Simpsons arcade game and that is a four-player beat-em-up arcade game and i love the simpsons i always have since i was a kid i've collected all the dvds and um, board games and things like that so i i really have fun by uh playing that one and i was excited because when the thing was came out at list priced it was like seven hundred dollars and i'm like i'm not buying a mini arcade cabinet for seven hundred dollars and then maybe not even a year later i was so excited that they dropped the price down to 3.99 and so i grabbed it and it hasn't gone much cheaper someone said that some walmart stores clearanced it and they were getting them for like 150 200 and I, I was like oh my god i wish i could have got that deal but i was happy i didn't spend 700 so i'll call it a win sure those arcade one-ups are really neat i i have you played on one of those before brad uh not to my knowledge yeah they're they're really fun and uh i'm sure a lot of people have seen them because they sell them all over the place i know a lot of gamers have bought them they're really fun display pieces and they're like three-fourths scale arcade machines but they're decorated just like the originals or most of them look a lot like with the same artwork and it, it really they do a good job of recreating that experience so if you're ever thinking about maybe picking one of those up i've got two of them and i think they're really neat i know some people people you see like on youtube that are gamers and they review stuff they have game rooms that are lined with them it looks like they have an arcade like a little mini arcade made of these things so anyway it's a really fun way to play those old games but we'll see if maybe by next episode we can get some some uh uh, friends back together and play that and maybe if some of the listeners want to join in too let us know and we can get a six-player co-op of teenage mutant ninja turtles going the other games I've been playing, so I missed a week and I didn't get to talk about this. And I was really, really excited to talk about my playthrough of Final Fantasy, the pixel remaster on the show, because I started this game and did not put it down. As you know, I was keeping people updated on the Discord and I could, I knew I was going to be out. So I didn't want to wait a whole week before I, I talked about this. I actually beat the game like shortly after I talked about it on the show two weeks ago, I ended up beating Final Fantasy, the first one, uh, with 28 hours and 52 minutes. And I was level 60, which this was interesting because if you played the old Final Fantasy on the NES, and I I don't know if they changed this for, like, if you played it on Steam before the remasters and whatnot, but the old, the original Final Fantasy only let your characters go to level 50. And so this is one thing that I got really confused about as I was playing, not only when I started seeing the numbers go up to 51 and 52, I saw I was still earning experience, like, well, wait a minute. But when I got to the boss, the very final boss, after you beat the four main bosses and you light the the crystals up and then you go to the main one, which I don't know if you know much about Final Fantasy these original ones but there's time travel involved which i had no idea was going to be a part of this old original game final fantasy is not a very time travel intensive series as far as my experience goes so i was really surprised by the original story involving time travel but you go to this boss and it's like we had teeps from the discord saying oh yeah you can beat him at 40 you know i always go to 50 and just like me i like to grind through and i make sure that i'm op for the bosses so i'm not sitting there struggling so i get there i'm 50 i think i get to 51 52 53 maybe and i take on the boss die i'm like wait a minute i can beat the boss at 40 but i'm dying at 53 okay i fight him again die 
I'm I level up a little bit more. I'm making sure I have all the best items equipped. I've got my armor. I've got my weapons. I'm like, what is going on? I've got all my. I mean, I'm buying like uh, 99 ethers, 99 phoenix downs. You know, I've got everything. And this dude is just taking me out, like one hitting my guys. Sometimes um, he the boss does a restore where he can restore up to 9,999. Like basically, his whole health bar goes back up uh, once you knock him down a good amount. So then your guys are already struggling. You're losing your your MP. You're you're you know using up your items and and your guys are dying and then this guy restores so i'm like what is going on here i'm level over 50 so i actually ended up having to go back out and grind to level 60 to beat the boss because which was crazy when i've got teeps over here and and he hasn't played the pixel remasters so it's not like he knew but he's used to going to 50 and so 40 was like yeah you can do it but uh i'm guessing i didn't look it up but i'm guessing you can probably keep going to at least 100 if they're letting me go to 60 why not so they actually leveled up the boss right so that's what i was wondering yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's the only thing I can understand. Like, if you're supposed to beat him at 40-whatever, and I can't beat him at 53, so they scaled up the boss with your abilities. So I was under, like, the false premise, like, that I could beat him, and I wasn't actually even ready, even though I thought I was uh, grinding out my levels. Oh. So that was a surprise to me. Uh, I was a little frustrated just because I, I got to the boss after playing for 27 hours or whatever at that point. And I'm like, okay, clearly I'm going to steamroll this boss. And, and yeah, I had a little bit of a trouble, but I eventually got it down and figured out, uh, you know, ways to, uh, I cast it, I would cast protect on all my guys. And then I would do different defensive things. The boss, it ends up that he's invulnerable to magic so you can't use any of your magic on them and that is one thing that makes it really hard so well you can use magic you can use fire and blizzard and that stuff but you can't like take their defense down you can't you know what i mean you can't give them darkness you can't make them blind you those kind of magic i don't i'm not i don't know the exact terminology of it but you know they're immune to those spells so sure. you have to hit you have to just hit him with fire, hit him with blizzard, but you eventually run run out of all that stuff. And then if you're using if you're using your wizards to restore health, to protect and, and do those things, then you're not attacking this dude. And so every time you're helping your characters, you're not getting their HP down and they're taking you out. So you have to really strategize and focus as these games always are, but especially with this boss being so difficult, I had to really uh, overhaul my strategy and so it took me several playthroughs but I eventually got through it felt really good to roll the credits for all the haters out there that said I wouldn't even finish it <laughs> I put I put almost 30 hours into this game with hardly playing anything else that was really fun so I'm excited to uh, keep going on my Final Fantasy journey Brad you said you had some experience with Final Fantasy did you ever play this first one no my okay First experience with Final Fantasy was Final Fantasy, and I always mess this up. I think it was Final Fantasy two in the U.S. and Final Fantasy four in Japan, and I'm probably screwing it up. But it's the one where you start off as Cecil. Uh, he is a dark like paladin or something. It's it's been years since I've played it, but I used to walk, go up to the gas station um, that my mom used to work at. She used to always drive up there and get her newspaper there, and 
they would have SNES games for rental in the back across from the sodas. And I'd always take a look at them and I found Final Fantasy, whichever Final Fantasy this is. And I used to rent it all the time. And I used to get stuck in this like underground cave against something called the Ant Lion. But years later, I, I finally played it again on the Vita and actually beat the game. And it, it felt so good after years of my, I don't want to say years of my childhood, but so much time in my childhood <laughs> playing that game and not being able to beat it. Because I guess just the concept of leveling up and all that stuff, you know, I'd get that far and then, and then just not be able to beat it and be like, oh, I don't want to go grind. I'm going to just go play something else. And so I've never played, to my, to my recollection, I've never played the actual original Final Fantasy. So you talking about these pixel remasters for the last several weeks, especially on the Discord, has made me start to wonder, maybe I should pick those up. Because I, I did also own them on the PlayStation with the Final Fantasy Anthology and the Final Fantasy Chronicles. I remember having those. So maybe I did, whatever games were on there, I, I probably dabbled in. But I don't know that I've ever played and beat the first Final Fantasy. So it's really cool hearing about it. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm having a blast. The f- Pixel Remaster for the first one really brought back a lot of those memories. I couldn't put it down because I had that nostalgia attached to it. I don't think I ever beat it on NES because I didn't remember like the time travel elements and I was getting to parts of the story that I just did not remember. And I think that as much as I loved playing the game, I would have remembered some of these uh, plot beats and characters. I thought it was really cool that uh, you, I, I think, the, the dragon, his name is Bahamut or Bahamut. I don't know how you yep. say it, but he's uh, a summon in the other Final Fantasy games. And so I thought that was really cool. And I think his lore or the character is kind of rooted in Dungeons and Dragons. I was doing some reading and I think that character actually is inspired by something in Dungeons and Dragons, which I'm not super familiar with, but I thought it was really cool to see this character who is the king of the dragons in Final Fantasy and you actually talk to dragons and they talk to you about go see Bahamut and uh, and then he talks to you and you run you know do a mission for him and then he gives you some stuff and in his respect and everything. So I thought that was cool. You know, I was picking up little characters that were in the Final Fantasy lore that you see callbacks to in seven, in Final Fantasy eight, and these other games. Yep. And that's kind of neat because I'd never realized that they were actually a part of a game that came out so long ago. So that was really fun. I enjoyed that one thoroughly. And then as soon as I rolled credits on that, the next game I picked up was Final Fantasy II Pixel Remaster. I told you, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep playing through these games. Now, The interesting thing about this, and I definitely have not been plowing through this game as much as I have the first one, partly because I don't really know what to do. And that might sound kind of weird because it's a Final Fantasy game. You think, oh, aren't they all kind of the same? Well, Final Fantasy II changes a lot. And not only does it change the mechanics of the game with some really interesting things that I'll tell you about, but also, again, just like with the first game, I kind of knew what to do with the story. I knew you have to go here, and then I knew to go talk to this person and go to this part of the map. And, you know, I knew how to do some of these things from memory. But Final Fantasy II did not seem familiar to me at all. And this Final Fantasy II, I believe, would be different from your Final Fantasy II. So this is not Final Fantasy II on the SNES. And we got two and three here, and that was there four and five, I think. So this is maybe, yeah, Final Fantasy two for Japan. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to, to explain it's, it. It's all, wild. But yeah, this is not American Final Fantasy two. So I did not have any recollection of playing this game. 
I did not know where to go. I did not know about this new mechanic. So with the first Final Fantasy game, as you do in most of the Final Fantasies, I don't know if this is the only one that works this way, but you actually upgrade all of your skill sets and you upgrade your weapons separately. So like you don't you don't say get 1000 XP in your level 2 and then get 1500 XP in your level 3, 2000 for level 4. Like it doesn't progress that way. You fight with a broadsword or you have a bow and arrow, you have a, a a javelin or whatever your weapons are and then you're actually leveling up the different weapons and the different weapons go to like uh, or at least the spells go to like fire two, fire three, fire four. They upgrade in strength as you use them more, and each one has their own XP, and your health points go up in this kind of erratic fashion. Your magic points go up in that kind of fashion. So I found it really interesting that it's not just beat enemies, get XP, and then all your stats go up together. It's like, well, depending on what you have equipped and what you use, you're going to level those skills up separately. So I thought that was really interesting. Another mechanic of the game that I really like, I think this is super smart, and I don't know why this hasn't caught on more, especially in these turn-based RPGs. Now, I haven't played a ton of JRPGs. Maybe this is a thing. But what they do is you actually have two rows uh, for your for your four attackers and you can put them in the front or the back. And so if you are in the back, you only do half damage, I believe, but you only take half damage. So you can be more strategic about how you put your characters. Like, well, if I put them on the back, I can give them a bow and arrow. And so they'll be able to reach the characters and do more damage. And especially as you level that weapon up. So, but they're not on the front line, so they won't take as much damage. And I thought that was a really neat element. Is that something that you've seen in other RPGs? I feel like the following games, if I remember correctly, again, it's been a while, but I feel like that carries on and through the next and several installments. I think the one that I played, yeah, uh, is there are, there's a front line and a back line. A front and a back. Okay. I didn't, I wasn't, when I got to the menu and I saw my characters, you could just basically toggle, like it looked like a light switch uh, running horizontally. And it was like, you know, your character, their little profile picture was on the left and you toggled it to the right and it went to the left and right. Yeah. And so I didn't really understand it. And then I did some reading and they were like, oh, it's front and back. And they explained, I may have not explained it right, but it's something to do with like the the back line takes half the damage. Oh, but th- this is, I think, what it is. You can't use swords and stuff. So if you're on the back line, you can't attack with swords. You can't attack it's with a javelin. magic and, and ranged, yeah. Exactly. But the trade-off is that you only take half damage. So if you use that other stuff, you can put, I only have one person on the back line, but in theory, depending on your strategy, you could have two people in the back, two in the front, and you could have different people, uh, you know, attacking really strong up front and have your healers in the back. And, and, and I think it really adds a different element, which, which was neat after playing the first one so long and then seeing, well, how do they change it up? How do they evolve the game? And that was a really neat way to do it. Uh, But I did think I read that the only game that does the leveling up of the individual stats and the individual weapons is two. I don't think that caught on for whatever reason. I, I, from my understanding, so listeners correct me if I'm wrong with this. Again, I haven't gone on to play the other ones anytime recently, but uh, apparently two is the only one like that. But I thought it was kind of cool 
that you're leveling up only the things that you use and you can yeah. level. Yeah. It was neat to keep it fresh, you know, cause I did just play 30 hours of one. Uh, that was, <laughs> that was kind of keeping my attention. I didn't really know where to go. Like I mentioned in final fantasy two and I was like, okay, I, I'm into the story. I, I think it's interesting. So where the last one is you're trying to restore all these magical crystals of different elements. And this one you basically have uh, the, the the villain is trying to take over the, the world and you have them attacking these different towns and there are people that are like on the inside and you have to meet up with them. They're kind of like the rebellion and you have to go meet up with all these people and you're planning a, a way to rise up and, and stop this guy from taking over. And so I was into the story. Um, you meet Sid, who is a reoccurring Final Fantasy character. So this was really cool. Again, like you you hear about Sid in all these different games and, and you see him. Uh, he is the airship pilot. And so this is the introduction of Sid. So I met him and he's flying me around the map. Uh, I thought it's it's kind of interesting these games the the walking because there is no quote-unquote fast travel in the games um in the first one i got the airship and uh you get a canoe and a boat that lets you zip around the map faster but there's no fast travel quote-unquote um what they did in the second game i don't know if you ever unlock those different modes of transportation but you can pay people to use them so when you're in the one of the early villages and two you can pay someone that will sail you from basically the bottom of the map to the top of the map in real time you watch it happen uh but that's nice so you don't have to walk around and you're not triggering random battles if you don't want to mess with that uh and then you meet sid as the story progresses and stuff is going crazy and uh, you're able to pay someone to okay side story <laughs> remember the wizards do you remember them oh how could i forget kevin <laughs> okay so in final <laughs> fantasy 2 i got stuck at a story point and this is maybe this is just a problem i have this was very similar to the inscription problem i guess because it was something that now in hindsight seems so obvious but i get to the part where i meet sid and they're like hey, hire Sid. And you talk to Sid and he's like, yeah, I'll be able to fly you anywhere, whatever. So I talk to him and I'm like, oh, here's another thing. I know, sorry, I'm kind of getting off on a tangent, but in this game, there's a mechanic of you can talk to someone about uh, different story elements. And then when you meet a new character or you get to a new part in the story, you can learn a new keyword. And then that goes into your talking selection. And so it's kind of like when you, in any RPG, when you talk to someone and you have one or like two or three different options, and it's usually just like, part of the story well in this game you have to use it in order to progress in the story so if there's a keyword like very early in the game so it's not a huge spoiler but the rebellion or whatever like they give you a keyword and so if you speak that people will know that you're you're on the good side and so you learn it from the princess and then you use it throughout the towns and that's how you talk with people and if you don't tell that keyword to certain characters you're not going to be able to move on so I thought that was kind of an interesting mechanic too. It's a little bit annoying because if you miss it, so like later on in the game, there was a keyword. I'm talking to all the characters. I learned my lesson from the wizards. I wasn't going to experience that again. I'm talking to everybody, but I didn't pick up on that someone spoke to me in a word that was learnable. And the way that I think that happens is the word is read in the text. And so that's supposed to trigger in your head, oh, you should now go to your learn menu and ask them about it. And then it is one of your talk items that you can talk to everybody about. 
so I started walking around the map. It was a it was a wizard situation oh, all no. over again. But oh, like no. I had never played Final Fantasy two before. I wasn't used to this mechanic. I did it for a couple keywords, but like it's not it wasn't super top of mind and I just missed it. So, you know, I'm walking all around, I'm getting, I'm on the boat cause I don't have the airship at this point. I'm going back and forth talking to everybody and I'm like, Oh my God, how do I progress in this story? Well, here's the thing. The princess tells you, <laughs> you need to go to this town. I want, they are building what's called a dreadnought, which is this huge airship with cannons on it and all these weapons you need to go to the dreadnought and you need to take it out and they're in this town so that seems pretty straightforward right go to this town there's the dreadnought there's all the evil guys taking over the town go talk to the guy that's you know give him the keyword and he'll sneak you in the back and you can go destroy the dreadnought i go there talk to everybody multiple times like the story will not move. There's a guy standing in front of what you can clearly see in this overhead view. There's a little staircase going down, like a going to the basement and there's a guy blocking your path. You give him the secret word. He says, Oh, you're on the secret team. Okay. Let's, let's do this. We're going to stop them. And then he goes about his business and you're like, wait a minute, there's your secret (laughs) staircase. I gave you the keyword, right? Like move. Like he's blocking your path. You can't get to the, the basement. I do it again and again. Oh, you're on this. You're on our team. You know, go team. Whatever he says, I I can't <laughs> let me through. So I think it's a glitch. I I think it's a glitch in the game. I'm like, he's not moving. There's the staircase. I want to just like, you know how it's irritating with boundaries and games. You're like, God, just jump over this thing and go to where you need to go. Like it's right there. Sure. So I can't get around this guy because we live in this 2D world and he's standing in front of the path. So. I go back to the princess that told me to go to this place and I'm like talking to her. She says, go destroy it. Okay. I get it. I was there. What do, what do you want from me? And I see in red text in one of her words, dreadnought, like she's been saying it. It's been a part of our conversations. Dreadnought. I have to learn it. Go to the menu, learn dreadnought, ask dreadnought. Okay. Now I go back to the town, (laughs) talk to homeboy and I say dreadnought and he goes, (laughs) Oh yeah, let's take that thing out. And then he lets me go to the basement. So <laughs> it's so frustrating because I'm playing the story. I'm 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 getting through all the story beats. I'm talking to the princess. She says, go there. I find the dreadnought. I can't get past the dude because I didn't say dreadnought to him. So and, and like I think he said it to me or something. Like you know what I mean? It's like it's so specific in the way you have to handle things. I was not used to it, and I have never seen another Final Fantasy game do this to where if you're progr- – and rightfully so. I hope they do scrap it after this. But, like, it's irritating because you think when you're playing a story game and you're talking to the characters and they say, go here and do it, like, the story's progressing. Well, yeah. nope, you better actually learn this word and say that same word to them. To You know, so <laughs> it's a weird mechanic. I don't like that part if I were to, like, pick apart something in this game. So that was another one of those – Time sucks where I wasted two or three hours, maybe not that long, maybe a couple hours. Um, But I learned that. And then, you know, what I decided to do, I'm like, I'm not that familiar with this game and I'm not able to put a ton of time into it like it was the first one. So I actually, uh, while I was doing some work, I had it up and I was just grinding while I was doing other work. I was just getting into random battles. So I think I have like, seriously have like 25 hours in this game and I've I've hardly played it. 
but but I I'm leveled up to where like again I don't really know how to say it because I don't think there are levels in the game. But a lot of my guys have like almost a thousand HP, which is pretty good. Like if I'm looking at Final Fantasy One, my level sixty had nine hundred and sixty two HP, and so I'm level almost a thousand HP, and I'm I guess I'm not halfway through the game yet. So I've just been kind of grinding, and I'm making sure my characters are really overpowered. But I'm enjoying it. I I just I need to get back into it. I've been busy with work lately, so it's not for lack of of wanting to finish it. And despite the the silly issue with the the keywords, it is a fun <laughs> game. So I I still recommend it. You know, if you're going back and playing these games, I'm having a good time with it. It's just hard when you know you don't really know what to do, right? Like the Final Fantasy one was so familiar, and even though these games play similarly. I don't really know what some of the little secret things are to do in the game. And so, uh, and I don't want to read the strategy guide. So I'm trying my best to do it on my own. So my goal is, I don't know if I'll be able to make it, but I want to beat Final Fantasy two before the next episode. So we'll see if we get there, but that is my goal. I believe in you as long as those wizards don't get in the way. Oh, there's wizards in this game, man. <laughs> I, I about had like, I had this PTSD flashback. So in the first game, they use these wizards as, um, like uh, little tutorial guys. So uh, in the first, like the hotel is where you sleep and then sleeping restores your HP and MP. So if you go to like the other room of the first hotel, there's four of them, I think, and you talk to them and they give you little tips. They basically just teach you how to play the game. Um, And so they're there and then you go and obviously I ran into the wizards later, which we know those ones. Um, So I started this game and I go to the main castle and sure enough, there's like six or eight wizards in a room. And I I was seriously, I know it was, I was having fun. Flashbacks. It was horrible, but uh, luckily none of them have like withheld Not today, from wizards. me or anything. I know, I'm, but I learned my lesson. I am talking to every single one of these characters. Good. I will be learning everything I need to learn. Hopefully, that will be the end of those little hiccups. But you know, I'll let you know. Awesome. It sounds exciting. Yeah, it's fun. I'm I'm excited, and uh, I really am going to try to get through all these games. So we'll see how far I get. And that's it for me in the last couple weeks. Is is that pretty much do it for you and the games, Brad? Yeah, like I said. Uh, just hard in the returnal still so all right all right well that'll be your goal let's see if you can do it by next week hopefully all right well let's touch base on some news real quickly here before we wrap up brad the first one that uh, aaron actually had on the list here was about jedi fallen order there's a rumor that cal is going to get his own show now i've heard a lot of people saying there's no way this is going to happen i know some people he's he's like a favorite character uh they want it to happen i don't know do you think there's any chance cal is getting a show yeah that was me that threw that on here i wanted to at least get your thoughts on what you thought about the idea of it because when i first heard i'm like oh that's pretty cool because i did like the first game and the story that it told and how he fits into the whole star wars canon right and I thought, you know, the, he looks, he's pretty much just motion capture of the actor. Uh, yeah. I forget his name. Uh, Monahan, Connor Monahan, so, something like that. Um, he was the Joker in Gotham. Yeah. But what I was started to wonder was, you know, I don't know if Disney has the control, or I guess they do because they own Star Wars, of what, uh, you know, how the development, what story they tell in the game versus what they show in, in television and how that sure. coincides with, with development. So, I was expecting, you know, I would expect this game is since they're working on Survivor now, that it's probably like most things going to be a, at least a trilogy. That I don't, and the, I think the article even covers that, like if this is going to into 
to be a thing that it's not going to be for a long time. And maybe it's just a cameo in, in some other thing mm. because his whole arc happens during, you know, post order 66 and, you know, kind of where the star Wars shows are at right now. So I don't know. I'd like to see it, but I'm curious about the logistics of, of how it would work. And again, as we can't specify enough, it's complete rumors right now. There it's, it was right. surfaced by a YouTuber who's, I guess been right before he's like some kind of insider, but it's nothing to really, you know, dig our heels into at the moment. But I like the idea okay. of it, at least. Yeah, I think that's cool. And I think it's neat that an original character from the games could make an appearance in uh, the live action series, which those series cross over with the movies and are a part of all the lore, you know, canonically. So I think that'd be really neat if, if we get a video game character, like an OG video game character coming to live action. And it was Cameron Monaghan, not Connor. I apologize. Oh, okay, Cameron Man- yeah. Monahan. There we go. I yeah. liked him in Gotham. I thought he was a good Joker. He was pretty. He was pretty creepy. I never got that far, but I've heard oh, okay. from you several times to. I get know that I'm first the only, season, but I'm the only one that says it because I. If okay, side side note here, but if you ever tried got if you haven't tried Gotham, I say check it out. If you did try it and you stopped, this is a perfect example when we talk about TV shows. I stopped Gotham in the middle of that first season. I think I stopped right before it what I will tell you now got good. I watched that first half of the season. I thought it was so bad. It was dull. Like it just, it wasn't finding its groove. And then the back half of that first season really picks up, started getting into the characters. And I, I watched the rest of it. I really enjoyed it. You know, it it had its moments that got a little bit cheesy. Um, I don't think as cheesy as some CW shows get. This is a Fox produced show, but you know, some of it got kind of in that vein, but then I think it also did a lot better job with some of the more serious storylines and I don't know, it's really good. It it follows Gordon. It's, it's, it's called Gotham. It's basically follows the Gotham police department and, and how they handle dealing with all these different uh, villains and you get Joker and you get Penguin. Penguin is a main character. It's like young, young Penguin, young Oswald Cobblepot. And he's, (laughs) he's really good. Um, He was pretty good. So yeah, Yeah. I don't know. I I say, give it a shot. I'm a Batman fan and I think the show does pick up. So stick with it if you can. And yeah, let's see if Cal ends up though. I'll be fun. Yeah. What about another one here that I know is near and dear to your heart? They're they're (laughs) finally what is coming out is Overwatch 2. Yeah, the big news today, um, well, we talked about it last week. The beta for Overwatch 2 is is starting next week on my birthday. Yay, me. Um, but what's happening in October is they're launching Overwatch 2 in early access. It's becoming free to play. And what they announced today is that um, Overwatch 1 is basically getting erased. Not, I don't like saying erased, but Overwatch 2 is is a giant patch that's reworking Overwatch into 5v5. So the 6v6 that we've known Overwatch to be for six years has, is is going to go away. What I like to think is that since they have these arcade modes is that you, you'll still be able to play classic Overwatch at some point. But what the big news was today was that like you're not going to be able to play Overwatch 1 anymore because essentially Overwatch 1 is becoming Overwatch 2, at least in the multiplayer facet of the game. So when it was announced in 2019, it was all announced as a PvE experience. Overwatch 1 wasn't changing. Like the, the competitive multiplayer and everything is still going to exist today. But Overwatch 2 is essentially going to be this PvE experience. And since then, they've had a lot of turnover and a lot of you know lawsuits and everything but on for other reasons there at Activision Blizzard. But... Um, so 
since then they've changed the Overwatch multiplayer experience to a five v five game, and it it's kind of I'm on I'm just kind of whatever about it because I know people are going to be upset, you know, because Overwatch is changing. But it, what do you think about that? the The fact that like the game it's still going to be essentially at its core, you know, fi- instead of six v six, it's going to be five v five. But the game as it exists today won't exist in a few months, right? Because it's basically getting reskinned. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's like when Destiny Two came out, Destiny One was a separate game. They didn't erase destiny one it was like you have to buy destiny two and it's a separate thing and then i guess i haven't played destiny one forever but i'm guessing those servers don't work anymore but they didn't exist simultaneously it was like these this is a new game and so overwatch is basically which i think this is smart i i do think it's smart because why run two things simultaneously and of course you want people to play your newest game so yeah upgrade it just turn it into what is going to be the thing you don't want half the people playing overwatch one and then you can't get them to try the second one because oh i i love the og and i'm i don't want to play the new stuff or whatever like if if this is where their focus is and they're going to overwatch two i think you just throw people into it and something that Fortnite does, which I think I'm guessing because Fortnite is one of the biggest games in the world. I'm guessing they're taking note from Fortnite and Fortnite has a ton of different game options you can play now. So like Fortnite originally started off as uh, you could do solos or duos or squads or quad or whatever, you know, four player. And then and it's always hundred person battle Royale, but you have those different teams. And then over time they're like, well, what if we had this, Battle Roy, not what do they call it? I, I don't play it that much anymore, but it was basically like 100 v 100 or 50 v 50. So, you know, it's like deathmatch, but with huge teams. And then they were like, well, what if we do one with with uh, mechs? And what if we do one with uh, no building, which is a really popular one now? And so for a while, they just uh, cycled different game modes and they would try a new one, they'd get rid of it. And then now I think you can choose from like 20 different game modes at once. Like they've kept a lot of them in there. And so my guess is Overwatch is seeing that and they're like, okay, we may have you try these three main modes or whatever, but they can throw a a 6v6 in there or a 3v3. You know, they can try different things. And depending on how popular they are, I think there's going to, my guess is that they're going to make the OG crew happy and they're going to be ways that are very similar to what they're used to playing while also incorporating the new stuff. Yeah, I agree completely. That's, that's, you brought up a good point too that I thought about earlier is that this game with the introduction of new heroes and, you know, abilities and just so many people playing it and doing things, they, they see the statistics and there's constant tweaking of these characters that it, it would be, impossible to have 5v5 and 6v6 both be balanced because of just the the way they introduce these characters and have to change things up that the 5v5 game especially having played it briefly on the first beta and will be playing again next week it plays so much differently because the characters have different abilities to to ramp up the 5v5 and make it exciting and you know if you try to put all those characters back into 6v6 it would just be incredibly imbalanced because it's a completely different thing like in 5v5 you only have one tank while in 6v6 you could have if especially if it's open queue you could have all six of them (laughs) it's it's there's there's so much balancing and everything that i don't it it makes sense and i think there's going to be outrage at first because people are going to want to play the game as they know it but 
Right. Blizzard wants them to play the game as they're evolving it into what it what it's going to be. So that's the yeah. big thing. They're doing away with loot boxes and all that stuff too, but everything's going to be converted at, at launch of the early access in October. So that's the big thing. So you get all your skins, today. you get everything carry over. coming over. If you have like if you're like me where you don't even need to open loot boxes anymore because you have everything, I have dozens stowed away. Uh, I could open them, but they announced today or yesterday, I think, in a Reddit AMA that everything that you have existing will be opened and just convert over to your account. So when you so have you duplicates, get new stuff? You get, you'll get currency. The the boxes oh, when you okay. get them, they're predetermined at the time that you get them. So it wouldn't be any of the new stuff that comes out with the new game. It's just going to be currency that I just have sitting in boxes at the moment. <laughs> but but so you can you can buy new loot boxes. Like aren't there any like free loot boxes that you can with, buy with in-game currency? Or I don't know. I don't know how the two works. Like you can't Oh no, the the new game's going to do away with loot boxes entirely. So I think it's all going to be like battle pass stuff and things that you earn by playing. I don't know much about battle pass. I was going to ask you about it, uh, but in in the interest of time, I omitted it. But uh, they, I know Halo does it and Fortnite. I know that you're very familiar with and oh, yeah. some other games. I think that like if you buy like a battle pass, Warzone is another one where you earn these like perks by having this battle pass and these experiences and stuff. So I I. I haven't been following the new stuff too closely, but I'm very interested to see how it develops over, over time. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's neat. And that's, I mean, I think that's a really, uh, a huge plus for Blizzard Activision and Lord knows they need it at this point. Uh, the loot, loot box gambling thing has been a big bone of contention uh, for in the gaming industry and especially with parents uh, with these kids teaching them to gamble it's 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 not only costing a lot of money which obviously kids are trying to spend their parents money and you know it's a huge thing but it's teaching them to gamble oh i didn't get the thing let me try again oh i gotta open it again you know jimmy got the whatever legendary outfit and i just have these basic ones and you know it's it's a really i think a bad thing to teach kids uh so i you know props to them for getting rid of it the battle pass thing works great like you said all these other games are doing it you spend 10 bucks a month and there's 100 tiers and there are free ones too so like there will probably be you know, if you get the free tier, like the built-in battle pass, you can probably get like 15 things if you make it to 100. And if you buy the $10 a month, if it works like all the other ones, then you can unlock like 100 things if you get to a level 100. Or, you know, 50 things if you get to level 100. They basically just open up uh, special items that will unlock at uh, level 5, level 10, level 20, you know, uh, different clothing items and whatever, and they're predetermined, so there isn't that gambling aspect. You see the battle pass 1 to 100, and you can see if I get to 70, I'm going to get this legendary character, this outfit or or the new character. Uh, The way Fortnite does it is with their battle pass, which is kind of neat. Just for buying the battle pass, uh, you get two characters, right off the bat for free so you get two new skins and then as you get to like each tier usually each tier i think has a new character so as you get to each milestone no i said milestone the other podcast, <laughs> as you get to each milestone <laughs> you you can unlock a different character and these aren't just outfits they're actually new characters and they'll do like every other one so let's say uh level 10 you unlock you know whatever this cat character 
And then level 20, you unlock the different skin or like the different color variant of that cat character. And then level 30, it's a different character. Level 40 is a variant of that character. So they'll go back and forth, but out of 100 levels and 10 tiers, you'll get five new characters and five new variants. And so it takes away that element of like, oh, I better keep buying them to get these characters. It's like, no, you just know the more you play the game, you can expect to get these different items or characters. And it gives you incentive to keep playing. You know, much like we talk about with Rogue Legacy, where you're like, oh, I'm getting these new abilities. And if I, I get a little bit further and a little bit further, it's that kind of incentive where you're like, but this time you know what they are, right? And yeah. so that works, I think, for people too, to get them to keep playing your game, which is the ultimate goal is to get people to not get sick of the same, you know, in theory, the uh, very similar type of gameplay. Sure. Yeah, I'm excited to see it implemented. Yeah, me too. And and uh, I appreciate you explaining that because like, I'm not super familiar with Overwatch. And so it being a two, I wasn't so sure what was changing with it. So I'm interested to see how those the new 5v5 works and also to see how many different modes they'll come out with and all that. A couple other news items, very small ones. Apparently it was confirmed the long speculated rumor that Michael Jackson did the music for Sonic 3. Well, surprise, he did. It was... Uh, an, it's wild. Yeah, yeah. Yuji Naka, the the creator, said that, yeah, I, I think uh, I was reading that it was in combination with they were doing a Sonic Origins, uh, which is a remastered compilation of Sonic 1 through 4. Something to do with answering questions related to that. Uh, I think someone said, did Michael Jackson do the music or something? And he's like, yep, he was the one that did it. And then he started sharing pictures on Twitter of like, here's when I went up in a helicopter on his property and showing the different experiences. So like everyone, including, you know, the creator who worked with him, like kept this a secret all these years. And I think that's interesting. That's what I was about to ask. Was he just uncredited? Yeah, I'm or... obvious. Like no one knew, so yeah. like I, I don't know, Michael. I mean, and again, this is just coming out, so I don't think we have like a huge backstory on it. But for whatever reason, it reminds me of. Do you know Michael Jackson did a voice in The Simpsons? I think I heard that before. Uncredited Probably from you. It's un- yeah. Okay, it's un- it's uncredited. So he plays a character who's a musician, and and it's a Lisa episode. It's really interesting. So he did the voice and everyone thought he did the voice. And the character is like in an insane asylum and the character thinks they're Michael Jackson, right? So it's actually like a (laughs) Michael Jackson centric episode. So of course the character sounds like Michael Jackson. And when the character sings, they sing like Michael Jackson. And so the rumor, long standing rumor was that's Michael Jackson doing the voice. And I think it was denied. Michael Jackson denied it when he was around. This was an early episode and you know, it was never confirmed or anything. And so it finally came out that Michael Jackson voiced the, the talking part of the character, but it was a Michael Jackson impersonator who sang the songs in the episode, which is like, I think it may have had to do with like his record label, like his contract. He couldn't do songs or something. I don't oh. know, but it's like, so it's a m- character that thinks they're Michael Jackson voiced by Michael Jackson, but not singing. <laughs> not Michael singing. Jackson, so. that, That's just interesting to me because that like, I wonder you know, if that was just a personal choice, like he wants to like secretly do this stuff. And because like to me, with the first when you first said that today, I was interested what this news story was about Michael Jackson. Because yeah. I heard rumblings of it and I told you ahead of time. I'm like, I'm interested what this story is because I don't necessarily know what yeah. what it is. But when you said that, I was like, wouldn't the Sonic producers want people to know that Michael Jackson scored the the game because i would think that that would lead to much more sales 
right? You know, I'm guessing that it may also be like another contract type thing. I don't know if Michael Jackson could do other musical projects without, you know, having to, if like he took a certain amount of money, if he had to like pay that out to the label or if like he just couldn't without their approval. So it may have been a secret project because he liked the games and wanted to be a part of it, but couldn't technically announce it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a bummer, especially with like someone that was that talented that like if they were into Sonic and wanted to make a Sonic soundtrack like it's it's a shame they couldn't be recognized for that or whatever but i don't know for any sonic heads out there sonic 3 that was mj so um that'll be interesting i'll have to go listen to it because i couldn't for the life of me tell you what the music in sonic 3 sounded no, absolutely like. not yeah <laughs> i mean in my head I'm, I'm kind of thinking like what sonic music is and like i'm thinking of like the green hills theme like like the very basic sonic you know like i you know the i don't did you score a Sonic game? I no that believe it or not that was not me pressing a soundboard that was me humming the theme. So yeah, well I'll we'll have to go back and listen to that. But uh, you know, interesting news there coming out many years later. What's going on with this Plague Tale Requiem thing? You're on here trying like you talk about these collector's editions yep. that sit in your closet and you don't want to buy anymore, <laughs> but somehow you still want to buy them and people are trying to get you to. What is so special? It's beautiful. I, I, I love the Plague Tale. And today marks, the, since they announced the release date of October 18th for their sequel, the Plague Tale Re- okay. Requiem, today also launches my campaign to get you and Aaron to play the game. And I will remind you weekly now that you should, because the first game was absolutely incredible. Slow start. I played the first one. I, I haven't you finally played it? it? I played it. No, I oh, played okay. it years ago. Uh, Devin got me to play it. Good. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a slow start, but by the end of it, it's so compelling, and I love the relationship between Amicia and Hugo, and I can't wait to see what their next adventure is. But yeah, the, uh, additionally to the uh, release date, they I, th- I don't know if pre-orders were already available, but I also saw on Twitter today that they have a collector's edition of a statue of Amicia and Hugo. But unfortunately, the whole thing... I mean, it comes with a vinyl. It comes with some other uh, some other accessories, and of course, the game and, right. and some art and all that. But it's nearly two hundred dollars, and I'm kind of at the point where, like, I I love the first game, and I I don't want to miss it, but I also kind of want to just gamble and see if I can get it for a lower cost later on. Like you've you've showed me discounted collectors editions in the past, so I'm like, maybe it's uh, it's it's a. I mean, like you said, it is a gamble though. It it either it could be like The Last of Us where they sell out super fast and they're three times as much on eBay, or it could right. be like Cyberpunk where you can get a two hundred dollars <laughs> CE for for seventy bucks. So I yeah. you know I don't know I like I will just tell you Brad. It, it sounds like you really really love the first game. If this is something that you really love and really want, like I don't, I, I mean, don't come. I don't want you to be mad at me if it goes <laughs> I got, half price. I have all you guys on Twitter telling me to do it. I know. I posted about my conundrum, and you're all like, "Do it, do it, do it." But if it, but if it sells out, and then there's seven hundred dollars on eBay, you're never gonna get it. Like it sounds like you really want it. If you're gonna spend seventy dollars for the game anyway, maybe you should just spend the hundred, get the statue, get the vinyl, get the cool box or whatever. You know, like I, it, yeah. it just sounds like something you really want. So don't pull a Witcher. Don't don't <laughs> skip the thing that you really want. Update. 
Update for the listeners, my buddy Adam, uh, who lives down in Arkansas, went to V-Stock this past week and found the Witcher 3 statue used in their cabinet and bought it for me. No way. So I don't have the box. I don't have all the extra stuff, but I have. I'm, I got don't statue. have it yet. I, I got to go down or wait for him to come up to St. Louis, but the uh, Collector's Edition statue has been purchased for my collection, and I cannot wait. Very happy for you. Can I ask you? I'm just curious. Does the statue like sell for as much as the CE retailed for, or like was it reasonable? It was 70 I have no problem saying it was $70 for the statue, okay. um, which is $10 more than what the game cost. I don't remember what the collector's okay. edition of the Witcher 3 retailed for. It was probably a couple probably hundred. 150 or 200 yeah. or something. Yeah, so, that, so that's not bad. I mean, I had yeah. no qualms. I asked him to take a good look at it. I trust your judgment mm-hmm. if you see any cracks, any missing paint. If the paint looks bad, you know. It's a judgment call, but I trust you. And he's like, I got it. And I'm like, all right, here's your money. I'll come get it one of these days <laughs> down in awesome. Arkansas. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I'm happy for you because I know you really wanted that one. Yeah. The last piece of news here, Brad. Uh, I know this is very exciting for you. You've been waiting with bated <laughs> breath. Every moment you're sitting by the phone, you're sitting by the telegram waiting for a wire to come through. What is Chris Pratt's Mario going to sound like? And apparently, according to the producer... And according to Chris Pratt himself, I believe, it is going to sound, quote, unlike anything we've ever heard before. <laughs> it was a slow news day. I, I threw that on there because I was I I wanted to ask you yes. if you've already you've already impersonated a Sonic score in the past five minutes. Now I'm gonna ask you what you think he's gonna sound like as Mario. And if you would like to impersonate that. Hmm. Well, so they've already said that it's not going to be an Italian accent. And That's I good. don't think in 22, I, I, if, you, if you're the classic voice actor that has done Mario for almost the character's entire career, it's a character trait and I get them sticking with that voice. But like, if you're going to do a movie and you're going to have Chris Pratt play it, you can't have Chris <laughs> Pratt put on a fake Italian accent. You just can't do it. So they're not going to do the accent. He says it's going to be unlike anything we've ever heard before. I'm willing to bet, and I don't know what I'll put down here. Maybe I'll just bet a copy of Cyberpunk or something because, you know, that's that's what I have access to. I bet it's going to sound like Chris Pratt. I yeah. don't think the character is going to sound like anything else. Yeah. Unlike anything we've ever heard before because we've never heard Chris Pratt voice Mario. That's the only technicality there. I, it's I not going to sound like anything. <laughs> My, my same friend who got me that Witcher statue, I was on the yeah. phone with him before this podcast, and I go, what do you think Chris Pratt's Mario is going to sound like? And he said the exact same thing you did. <laughs> He's going to sound like Chris Pratt. And yeah, so my question was, all... do you think... At any time in the movie, he's going to hold his hands up like he does in oh, God. Jurassic World to Yoshi. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's kind of brilliant. That's kind of brilliant. I didn't think of that. They're both universal properties, right? Because, it, like, Illumination and Minions, like, they're... They're at the yeah. theme parks and stuff, so like, there's that connection with Universal's the studio that distributes them or whatever. Oh my gosh, I never thought about that. I mean, that's kind of brilliant. Like, as much as the hand thing annoys me, I thought it was so ridiculous in Jurassic World Dominion. Like, dude, you half trained a raptor. You can't just go up to any dinosaur and hold <laughs> your hand out. You're not, you're not a magician. You don't have like secret powers or anything like that doesn't work. You trained a raptor to know what that meant. So the fact He's that been he practicing, 
to train Yoshi. Yeah. The fact that he did it 30 <laughs> times in that movie, don't even get me started on it. It's ridiculous. And then he got Grant to do it. Oh, my God. It's just oh, so sad. <laughs> but with that being said, that's a funny Easter egg if he does it, if he tells like Yoshi to hold on or something and puts the hand out. That's funny. I like that as a nod to it. Now, if he did it to 50 times to different Yoshis in the cartoon, like if he keeps doing it, that's annoying. So don't like you know don't do the joke 20 times or anything but yeah 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 i like the character of mario i don't mind illumination i know some people for whatever reason i know it's it's chic to hate on like on film twitter to hate on illumination i think the despicable me movies are, are pretty fun um i like the sing movies i thought both sing movies were really good this the second one that came out last year was really entertaining so i don't have a problem with illumination I'm excited to see Mario finally get a feature film, like an animated film. I know they've got the Excuse master. Me, yeah. They've got Hoskins the masterpiece. Like no. <laughs> no, no, trust me. If there's anyone, I'm on the record. Go on Twitter. I love Super Mario Brothers, the movie. But I, I'm excited for them to get a, a cartoon, you know, like the Mario that we're used to that design from the game. Obviously, it's sure. going to be more faithful. Like the, the brilliant Mario Brothers masterpiece was very much a – an inspired like it's just it's so unlike anything that mario ever was and i think it's brilliant because it is so weird and so different but i'm excited for them to with their really slick super high def clear animation to make a mario that looks like the mario we know and and the mushroom kingdom and 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 introduce us to that world in that format so you know i'm willing to give it a shot and you know, I just don't think Chris Pratt's going to do like this incredible voice. I mean, think about the Lego movie, right? And and he's good as Emmett. He's funny. Like his humor comes through, but he's not doing a voice. He's, he's right. Chris Pratt, right? And so he's, I will be, he's arguably Chris Pratt in everything. Yeah, honestly, I, will but, be, I will be shocked. Yeah. We'll just put it this way. I will be shocked if Mario sounds different than Chris Pratt. Yeah. Because so. <laughs> what could he do? What could he possibly do? He's not doing an Italian accent. If he doesn't just do funny Chris Pratt voice. Like what voice is he going to do? Like, yeah. What voices are there that, that he could be doing? It, I, yeah. It's, it makes me wonder, or I, I start thinking about Bradley Cooper when they casted Bradley Cooper's rocket. I was like, what's, how, what's Bradley Cooper going to do? You know, but now when <laughs> yeah. I hear rocket raccoon, it's, you know, I hear rocket raccoon. I think he does a great job with it. And of course there's yes. alterations and everything too. So like, I know it's Bradley Cooper, but at the same time he gives that character mm-hmm. uh, a voice, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping that Chris Pratt can do something similar to that. Like I'm always going to know, of course it's Chris Pratt, but yeah. maybe no, I know the, what you the mean. mix he... of the animation and everything that we can, yeah. uh, you know, forget that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to root against him. Like I said, I, I think it could be fun. I want it to be fun. I'm excited. I'm not against the production or anything like that. So let's see what happens, yeah. but it'll be funny to, once we get that first trailer to yeah. hear what the voice is like, and we'll come back on here and we'll see how different it actually is. Then can you uh, imagine quote, the first trailer? Like, I'm wondering yeah. like if, if it's like in my mind now, I'm putting a trailer together of just, you know, flashes of of things happening and like an overall narration and then at the very end we hear chris pratt just go here we go <laughs> you know just like the, the the voice reveal is the very last shot of the of the of the trailer probably yeah. yeah or or we we get that and it's like him with a french accent and he's turned mario to a completely <laughs> different and we're like wow that is unlike anything we've ever heard okay fair enough 
Uh, well, we will have to wait and see, Brad. We won't know until we get at least that first trailer. But uh, that does it for game news, unless you have any other exciting developments that have happened during the last day nope i think that's it for me all right well uh before we sign off here i will say some very exciting news for you the listeners we got some reviews last month we appreciate it we really really enjoyed hearing from your feedback on the show getting those ratings which does help uh encourage others to listen to the show when they see those positive ratings so thank you everyone who participated and i have yet another copy of cyberpunk 2077 to give away this on the platform of your choice being either playstation or xbox so through i'm gonna say we run it through july because june's almost over so if you get us in if you obviously haven't reviewed us again or if you have reviewed us on one platform and you didn't win last time if you review us on a different platform as long as we either see it or if it's on one of those ones that aaron says like that don't pop up automatically just send us a screenshot but you're welcome to enter again even if you've reviewed us on a different platform review us somewhere else or review us anywhere let us know about it we will enter you in to win a copy of cyberpunk through the month of July. So uh, please do that because the reason we mention it every week is it really does help people find the show and uh, let them know that this is a show worth listening to. Like, subscribe, follow us on social media, follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Games We Love. There's links on our website. All the social media channels are listed there. You can subscribe to the podcast. You know, if you're just streaming this on the website or whatever, you can find it on all those different podcatchers. So go to the website and it shows you all the different links to subscribe. Go to Spotify, Stitcher, you know, whatever the other ones are. Good Pods. That's another app that I've gotten into recently, which is really cool. It's like a social media for podcasts. So uh, you can go on Good Pods and leave us a rating and review there. And you can actually rate and review specific episodes, which is really neat. So instead of just saying, hey, this show is five stars, you can say, hey, that episode that Brad and Kevin really rocked, you know, they were just awesome talking about wizards and, <laughs> and Mario voices and collector's editions that will sit in Brad's closet. Five stars. That is an awesome episode. You can do that and people will see that this episode is one that they should listen to. So go ahead and do that. Thank you so much for your support and listening to the show. This podcast is for you. We'll be back soon. Hopefully we'll be the trio and uh, Aaron will be feeling better. So get out there and fall in love with a game. 